millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Questions of the Force. I didn't think of another Q word this week. So we'll just call it Questions of the Force. I know I've said Quiznos before, but I'm hungry. So I'll say Quiznos of the Force. No, it's Questions of the Force. Uh, We are excited to uh, take your cues and provide back, hopefully, some thoughtful A's. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I got, I got to tell you, I'm cutting up. So like, you've got cues. You might not want the A's. All right. All right, McGarnacle. You might not want them. <laughs> Slap the cues down on the desk and be yelled at to be handing over our A's. Anyway, yeah. we're going to get on to our first day, which is our Audible intro. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Audibletrial.com slash 4Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, or Roomba. I don't know if a Roomba works, but I felt like throwing in something new. Uh, we are recommending Battle Scars by Sam Meggs. It is staring at me from the bookcase. I'm excited to dive into this book. We will be discussing it eventually. But if you want to give it a listen, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. 1A down, second A to go. Uh, we have been making a point of asking for help. So, Ken, what is our ask? Our ask is this. First ask, I do have a Roomba, and I'm going to ask my Roomba to read me a book because if they <laughs> do that, ah, oh, that'd be comforting. That'd be great. Uh, but as Joseph said, our big ask right now is, hey, would you consider checking out our Patreon page? I try to say that not sounding like a... <laughs> I'm absolutely crying. <laughs> no, we're having a lot of fun revamping the Patreon page. There's some merch uh, available now at some merch levels. And we have a content, exclusive content like our Will of the Force show and our new series, Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast, available to all supporters. That first episode of Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast dropped uh, Monday, March 20th. So get in there. There's still time to catch up with us as we head to Dial of Destiny. And for those that uh, maybe Patreon such a thing, we do want everyone to hear those episodes. So after Dial of Destiny, we'll be releasing those episodes to the public. We have a new goal on Patreon, and it's to uh, help us reach this cool uh, uh, project here. Jennifer Landa's uh, YouTube docu-series, so to speak. She's got some wonderful uh, episodes from our Force Center past. Happy Beeps, Jedi Beeps. They're some of the best stuff uh, ever put on this channel. NPR meets Star Wars. And we're going to do kind of video versions of that. Jen's going to repurpose that audio, uh, put some new uh, pictures in, maybe even some new audio, uh, update some of the stuff. And that'll be uh, on our uh, through our Patreon page, um, put on YouTube. If uh, you can help us reach a goal of, of uh, $2,000 a month, we're so, so close. Uh, that'll help us put that series into action. So there you go. I think that's a lot of asks in one, Joseph. Put that <laughs> It's a lot of info and a lot of ask and a goal. And thank you to everybody who's been joining. We've been getting a ton of people being extremely generous and a lot of people jumping in uh, for $2 a month. And we appreciate all of you. So thank you for the help. Now we are on to the third A, the titular A, the answers to the cues. Uh, we've got two questions from Twitter and two from patrons on Patreon. As always, we're going to go first to Twitter uh, and we're going to go to a fun, possibly time travel question. <laughs> mm. uh, this comes to us from Justin Anderson. I had to grab this one because I think it's a, a conversation uh, that is going around the old Star Wars discussion world. Here's what Justin has to say. The aim slash focus of the first two seasons of The Mandalorian was relatively simple. Season one, protecting the child. Season two, returning Grogu to his people. We knew the focus of both seasons from basically the start of each. We are halfway through season three. What is it about? So um, we want to give the caveat. We've gotten into a rhythm here where we record Cues of the Force on Monday and we don't release it until Friday, which mm. is sometimes in the land of Star Wars, 1,000 years worth of <laughs> information and discussion. In particular, uh, we are uh, discussing this question that is responding to being halfway through the season of Mandalorian. Uh, uh, the fourth episode has come out. 
We are recording this before the fifth episode of the season uh, comes out, but releasing it after the fifth episode. So full caveat that we wanted to grab this question. Uh, our answers might be impressively accurate or absurdly comically incorrect by the time you actually hear them. We are talking about this after that fourth episode, The Foundling. Uh, Ken, do you have any thoughts just on the, the caveat and the, the time travel nature of this question before we get into the heart of it? Yeah, yeah. We uh, that's This is the time travel. You're so right. There's some other time travel coming our way as well in this episode. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, it is what it is in terms of our schedule and recording. I love to do everything live and in the moment. Uh, but as we've learned with Star Wars news, uh, that's not always the case. But I think this is a, 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 a great question from Justin because it, it is absolutely one that's been asked. It's been the subject of other episodes of other YouTube and uh, Star Wars podcasts and everything. And just I've had this conversation in uh, real life, you know, because this is podcast. Mm-hmm. I've had it in real life, too. So it's a timely question, no matter when we answer it and publish it. Yeah, yeah, because maybe for some people, everything will snap into place after episode five. And maybe for some people, it's already in focus in episode four. Um, Or maybe episode five will be all Boba Fett and people will feel that's justice. Um, (laughs) uh, So I want to start here, Ken. I I know you have a lot of thoughts, but I want to... Yeah. Get get started almost on uh, history and terminology. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. before we get into the heart of what we think this this season is about um i i fully agree with justin that the focus of the first two seasons uh does become very clear but i do think that it is uh, that they weren't necessarily as clear halfway through um mm-hmm. season two i think since it was pretty clear on the surface that yep he's trying to find a, a Jedi to return Grogu to. He's on the trail of a Jedi. That was the mission that the armor gave him at the end of season one. So I think, yeah, season two was pretty straightforward. But even with season two, there was some conversation halfway through about, okay, well, he, he's found this person who found this person. He's going to find a Jedi or not, you know? Yeah. When are we going to get to it? Um, season one, though, in particular, I do think that its arc is clear after the fact but i remember many people being deeply engaged by the first three episodes that all dealt Mm -hmm. quite quite clearly with what is this lone badass bounty hunter going to choose to do about this child he rescues him Mm -hmm. you know he he takes him uh you know at at the end of episode two like is he even going to return him in episode three and then episode three we get the the big decision chapter three the sin that uh he rescues the child And then there was lots of consternation with chapter four, Sanctuary, chapter five, the gunslinger, even chapter six, the prisoner of like, Mm -hmm. what's this about? Where is he going to take the child? Why doesn't he just turn around and fight the client? You know, Mm -hmm. we had those discussions, that middle section of season one, as it was airing, even when people were in love with the Mandalorian, did have a lot of the same discussions that we're having having now of people wanting to get back to the main plot. Um, so th- that's my strong memory of going through season one. So I just wanted to start there with uh, my memories of season one and season two and see what your thoughts were about that in comparison to season three's halfway point. I, I think it's uh, it's great to go right to that conversation around season one because that that was what was happening. Uh, that, that, that dreaded word filler gets tossed around or you're not connecting to... The bigger picture and, and, and you're seeing this you know mando's experiencing this very transactional relationship based life and 
Uh, I think I, I remember even the stuff on Sorgan. Episode four didn't grab me right away. I, I enjoy that episode a lot more now because a little bit of the, all right, get it. It's adventure of the week kind of stuff going on. Cool, cool, cool. And that could be so dismissive if you, if you, I don't know, attached to that in kind of a, not the wrong way, but a different way. You know, we're not here to say what's right and wrong. Um, but I, yeah, I, I was in that spot too. If I, well, why is he here? What, what, he, he just want to camp out here. Like, you know, so I think that's part of the way to look at it. We're halfway through this season. Uh, that's going to be part of what you and I keep discussing here. I, I, I know, but um, hindsight being 2020, I think that that's definitely a way to look at season one. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, I'm sorry, what's that? And two, but one is one particularly. Yeah. One in particular, I remember uh, being not frustrated by chapter four, but so engaged with the Din Grogu story that I didn't, I didn't uh, fully Mm -hmm. engage with the like, well, this is a big part of it because his first move is what if I just find a nice place for the kid to leave, (laughs) to live, you know, and, and leave him be. And I think so much of Din's journey throughout the show is starting to form more real substantive relationships outside of the covert and his first step of making those connections, like lots of things that are, that are clear in retrospect. Um, yeah. And, and I think uh, wanted to look at that because I think that might be true of season three, even things that feel like right now, like, well, why did we spend that much time on Coruscant? And why did we dig into the new Republic that much? And how important is uh the the cloning material that was you know the actual plot point of that episode uh it might feel far more significant uh down the line uh just like some of the stuff in uh mando season one does now absolutely absolutely it's where we're at so justin uses the 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 great uh uh term focus uh the the focus of the first two seasons of the mandalorian was relatively simple and i think that's a great umbrella term but mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to talk about here, Ken, is um, I think we're talking about a couple different things. I think that yep. there is the plot of the seasons, mm-hmm. the plot of any story as, you know, what is the main character or main characters? What are they actively trying to accomplish? How are they responding to challenges? How are they furthering their own, own goal, the plot? Uh, and then there's the theme, the idea the point of the story, what is emotionally at stake for the character? You know, how does a character's challenges and choices reflect her own worldview and opinions? What is this show saying? Uh, we talk a lot about uh, the how and the why mm-hmm. on four center of stories. And, and to me, I think of sometimes the plot is the how this is what the character actually chooses, but the why is why did the character choose it? What does it mean? So uh, I think when we're talking about, the focus of these seasons of Mandalorian, I think it's important to be able to break down and say, are we talking about the plot? Are we frustrated with that? Then, or the other main characters aren't clearly moving forward on their goals, uh, that they're in stasis, or are we talking about, we're not sure what the show is saying. We're not sure about the theme, the idea right. the point, the why, and maybe some viewers are like, I feel like <laughs> neither are moving forward. Or maybe mm-hmm. some feel like one is moving forward and the other isn't. So what do you think about uh, separating it out into those different ideas of the plot versus the point of the plot? I think it's 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 very important. And I saw Justin's question come up uh, over the weekend on, on the old, uh, well, for us to be last weekend on this time travel episode. And yeah, that was my initial reaction. Nothing, Justin asked a, a great and, and very fair question because it's been on people's minds. But, uh, you know, my, my reaction to it the honest reaction was well that's not what season one was about and that's not what season two was about where we, it was about these big giant 
themes. Uh, the IG-11 rebuilding scene is the core of season one to me. It, it is, is that, that's what it was about. So I, I, I do th think you have to kind of parse them out a little bit here. And to me, there is a, the focus of season three. We'll get into it here if you want, or, or we can go to the place to justice. But like season three's focus, it, it's, it's rebuilding Mandalorian culture, uniting it and, and finding the best way forward. And we're weighing that. And there's some stuff that the show, we're like waiting to see where it comes down on some things clearly. And that's mm -hmm. even affecting people. Um, and, and this isn't a, hey, watch it all, quit binging them type of, uh, you know, society's ills conversation. It's just, hey, this is what's going on to me. Uh, so I do think it's it, it's definitely two different questions. Yeah, no, I, I really I really agree with that, and I think that the the plot and the thematic ideas merge more when you can binge them, or you know mm -hmm. when you've had a little bit of time to sit through them. It's an incredibly different thing to watch season one with the knowledge of of everything we have with it, and to me, it's even richer. As I enjoyed the episodes as they came out, but I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, hey. What's the deal, Din? <laughs> yeah. Make a decision. What are you, what are you, you going to do with the child? You know. So the the plot was clear of the Mandalorian protects the child, but those those three kind of middle episodes are even more clear about he's still he's deciding who he wants to be. I would say that the theme or the ideas can of season one is can the Mandalorian adapt from a lone hunter mm -hmm. who knows how to get things done through deal making and violence. Can he adapt and change to become a caregiver, a parent? Because he's trying to take care of Grogu the way he knows how. Uh, violence. Um, hide him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know? Uh, get get money. Uh, that's why the prisoner episode is there. Of Like, well, I guess, but we need to get by. I guess mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll do a job. You know? Yeah. So he's, he's trying to be a, a parent in every way except for the, the deep and the emotional. Mm -hmm. and, and by the end that theme and his choices are validated by the armor that says he's on a correct path. He's, he's being a man. He's still being a Mandalorian just in a different way. It's honorable to be taking care of this family. Great. You know? Yeah. Um, but some of those things of din, din flailing in the middle of season one is the point. And as it, mm -hmm. as it came out, I understand why some of us would go like, well, why isn't he making a choice? Like, well, cause part of the story is he's, he doesn't know how to yet, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel the same thing with, with season two, that season two for plot was really strong. Din is going to deliver Grogu, Grogu to a Jedi. He's real focused. I think in general, it plot wise, it, it moves uh, fast. Um, but the idea is, you know, how, how far is Din willing to go to, to be what, what Grogu needs, it, mm -hmm. not just as a protector, but also as apparent which is emotional connection uh and the big payoff is taking off the helmet and that that's you know mm -hmm. it, it, it 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 can then truly connect to grogu is you know a more thematic idea than the clear plot idea of can then deliver grogu to a jedi yeah and i think that uh, i think you can go into the book of boba fett pick that up right uh, the breaking cycles moving forward the, the personal choice to build stronger communities and relationships around you clans this clan of two that's been formed if season two is about uh, reuniting grogu with his people uh what are you going to do there's a little bit of that like we're the people we met along the way i'm the people you know <laughs> and, and and the next section of changes is tied to that stuff in book of boba fett i think yeah, and and to me, I think the whole journey of Din Djarin and the thematic goals of the Mandoverse is it's set in this new Republic era. It's set in a time of change, of the possibility of adaptation and evolution. 
in everything with Din's story is slow walk-ups to change and maybe sometimes mm-hmm. steps back. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's been his journey the entire time. It's powerful to me to see him be forced away from his covert and mm-hmm. have to make other connections and have to see the galaxy in new ways. It's so amazing to me when he gets to come back to the covert and is like, you know, I met one of them Jedi, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? And now I have personal experience and my droid feelings have changed and I I can go to Peli as a is a almost maternal figure and, and all that to me is about growth and, and evolution. Uh thank you for for going on a long journey to get to the actual meat of the question, which is what is going on in season three. But I think where Din has been before is a big part of this. So how how are you feeling then? You you gave a, a great preview. How are you feeling about where Mandalorian season three is at four episodes in, both in terms of plot and the big thematic idea? Um, I, I I understand some of the, you know, it's it's a it's a wider season. When you go back to comments by creators and even actors before, right? You, you hear this a lot. Uh, the scope is bigger. It's more galaxy uh, ramifications of the galaxy. Uh, I don't. I you don't ignore that stuff because I think that factors in what's to what's at play here. Uh, quick, stupid Game of Thrones example. Going into season seven, a lot of people are like it. Uh, the actors were like it just it moves at a different pace. Turns out they meant literally, like they literally were. And we just all had this. Oh, it goes to you know, no, no. They were kind of setting you up for yeah. You know, Gendry runs fast. <laughs> guess guess what? <laughs> I, I think. Filoni and Favreau and, 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 and a lot of what they're saying, um, this is about Din has gotten to a point of um, big change. You, you talk about stasis. I want to I hear more of your thoughts on that for sure. But I, I even have some reactions of like, he's got this weird vibe of I'm home kind of at the cover. Like, look at me. Uh, and, and we kind of, I think are frustrated. You might be frustrated as a viewer going, Din, this, this ain't it, babe. You got more to do. <laughs> and, and, and he's kind of like, cause I even joked this, this chapter four, the last episode we've seen at this point, uh, you know, almost forgot Din, Din was in it. I meant that in a good way. Just like he was doing some great things. He's saving the day, but he's just kind of part of, he's just, yeah. And, and Bo-Katan's the one kind of having to, uh, go there. So, anyways, all that to say, I really go to this idea of it's rebuilding the Mandalorian culture and finding the right way to do it. You do have opposing um, factors, whether it's just we'll look at his Bo Katan or the armor, but just what is the way is a big question. And, and you have this culture that has been torn apart. Bo Katan keeps talking about that. Uh, the biggest loss is we just kept fighting each other. And so that's why we got crushed by the Empire. That, that's part of the problem here. And I have this view, and they have this view. And we've got to find this way. Then, in the meantime, you got the New Republic doing the same thing. It's five years after uh, fall of, of the Empire, right? But that's still pretty fresh. And there, I think that's part of what's going on here. You, you, me, and a lot of other people thought that third episode's title of the of the convert could easily have been applied to the New Republic too, right? Mm-hmm. And and some big questions there. So, in that is like that's the central Mandalore is the theme, but what is our relationship to that? What is the character's relationships to that? We will see episode could five could have been titled the Snoke and, and we, <laughs> you and I are looking foolish on a Friday, but I still think even Moff Gideon relates to that. What the, the center of season three is Mandalore itself and this torn apart, destroyed people and who are even been, who have been debating on the show so far of what, what that even means. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, and how do we all come together and go forward? Because uh, if we don't, maybe we are done for good. That's 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 to me the the big focus of it. But I know it's got it steps off to spend time with Penn Pershing, 
and Elia Kane, and that might seem different. Um, I know Mando's made some big choices, and so far this season, he hasn't. His mission that we thought this season was going to be about seemed to end pretty early. I need to go take a bath in the waters, right? Everyone made fun of that. Oh, this season is just about a man taking a bath. He took that bath, and now we're into this wide-open territory. And, uh, and that's what I love about this season. I know some people don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with a ton of what you're saying. I think that Din's journey is, uh, this season is more like to be a fully fledged parent, right? Um, he was a protector, then he was on a, a mission and it was, it was to, to bring Grogu home and, and it was hard for him to let him go. Now he's fully accepted. We have chosen one another and I have gone from protector to parent. Um, I am, I love every one of his monologues of like just explaining, he pretty soon he's going to be explaining sand to Grogu. <laughs> I love anything he sees. He's trying to teach Grogu how to be a person, how to be a Mandalorian, pushing him forward. So I think Din is in, uh, this interesting new territory. Yeah. I also understand that, that people are responding to the clear choice to widen the focus of the show, the Mandalorian. And I get it. If people like, I like the show being the Mandalorian where the Mandalorian didn't jar and drives things forward. And yeah. I think the show is playing fair. Like we're widening our scope. Um, in, in the most recent episode we saw season four, I think Din is in a kind of stasis. He's like, I did it. I, mm -hmm. I'm back with the cult. My, my friend Bo-Katan that I have all this respect for is here and this is going to be great for her this is yeah. going to be great for my child this is great to me it's just it's the calm before the storm he thinks everything is is great mm -hmm. um and i think we know it's not going to be mm -hmm. um so i'm kind of fine with him him not necessarily his specific needs being met by season four or episode four of season three because mm -hmm. i think that he's going to be challenged on on whether all of his needs are met mm -hmm. um and I would agree with you that that the plot is pretty clearly can the Mandalorians come together to face their common foes? Um, can they have true strength through unity? Uh, both the armor, uh, you know, the armor and Din have talked about how how the creed is the loyalty and unity is the creed, but they also are extremely rigid. So the unity with Bo-Katan if she follows all of their rules. Um, Bo-Katan has expressed Mandalorians were, have been fighting amongst one another for too long. And that's what let it, left us to be too weak to defend ourselves against the empire. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've got all of these dangling questions about, um, not just the, the thematic ideas of what is the way, what makes you a Mandalorian, but there's, I think a lot of real practical stuff of like, who will lead them ultimately? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is Mandalore physically safe to be on? Will the reemergence of a mythosaur unite them or divide them? Um, will Din's journeys out in the galaxy making connections to other people, life, like Grief and Peli, will that help Mandalorians? Um, will Grogu truly be welcomed as one of their own? And um, with the bombing of Bo-Katan's home, they are really keeping that threat alive of... Uh, the, the 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 Mandalorians aren't out of the woods, <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, and to me, it it is setting up this idea of 
there's a possibility of going through the trauma again, whether it's Moff Gideon or Thrawn or someone we've never met before who comes to put their boot down on the Mandalorians. Will they be united enough to fight back? Yeah. That's what it's feeling like to me in terms of the, the actual plot, the question of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not even safe on dinosaur attack river. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're riverfront property there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's statements on, we can get in the cult of it all, of course, but yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to me, like, I do think that the show has been, like I said, throughout all of its seasons, kind of dealing with, with change. Um, mm-hmm. And this season seems extremely explicit to me in, uh, even if you, you feel like, oh, I wish Din had a stronger want or his want wasn't resolved in the second episode, or if Din's not the main character, then who is, is it Bo-Katan? Like I, I get all those things and, and I understand it. Um, sure. but I, and I even understand it criticizing it up, up to a point. Cause I think it is a kind of a different style of storytelling. It Very is, much. you know, falling a little bit more of uh, the Clone Wars vibe <laughs> mm-hmm. where you, where you jump around uh, or, or bad batch. We're like, yep, these are our slate of main characters, but every once in a while we're going to veer over to this perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a plot perspective, I get if people don't like that, it doesn't draw them in as much. But I think thematically, the idea of change is really, really clear, right? Grief is trying to change Navarro City. The pirates are literally coming in there and going, I know you want to call this a school, but we won't allow you to change that. We are going to cling to the old ways. The entire story of Children of the Watch, good, bad, or otherwise, is literally clinging to the old ways. The New Republic episode with with the convert is featuring... Uh, two characters, Kane, who is committed to the old ways. Uh, then we're spending all sorts of time with, with Pershing, who is trying to change and falls back into convincing himself that it's okay to do things the old way. His science at all costs, no matter what. Everything has been very, very clear, I think, if you break it down, that it is. It's a time where the galaxy could change. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do it? Who isn't? And what's going to be the fallout if they're not willing to change? Yeah, and this is something I, I think I gravitate towards. Of this, these because yeah, your Star Wars does deal so much in change. You and I say that word a lot around here because it's all through Star Wars in many different ways. One of the aspects of it that I love that the this season is analyzing is exactly what you're talking about. Everyone has made choices, big choices. Uh, Bo-Katan made some big choices and it didn't necessarily work out for her. Uh, you know, you got Din going, I've made some wonderful choices. Hey, Bo, isn't this great? You have your helmet on. You're never taking it off. This is awesome. <laughs> this is, nothing's going to go wrong. You got grief. Exactly. Old buddies from high school showing up to say, you're, you're still who you are. We know this. And the New Republic struggling with it on, on, a, lo- on a level that um, could have a very, uh, you know, felt uh, ramifications for the rest of the story. So I, I, I think it's it, it's for me. I gravitate to this like this happens in life. You think you're plateau, you've 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 climbed the summit, and there's still a long way to go, and there's a chance you can slip back down. Let's analyze that on a big giant epic scale. Yeah, no, I really agree with that. Even Grogu, I, I really touched by you know chapter. Uh, 20 uh, mm-hmm. episode four of season three where he just he wants to be in stasis he just wants to sit there and din is pushing him to change right mm-hmm. to become something kind of new a new version of himself mm-hmm. absolutely any other big picture thoughts on what the the focus of chapter or, or season three of the mandalorian is 
No, that's kind of, kind of it. And, and I think, I, I mean, kind of it, there's a lot there. But even just, okay. hey, how to, how to rebuild Mandalore and unite it and go forward is, is that's the story of Mandalore. It's a big Star Wars story. It's a big, uh, you know, Dave Filoni interest, right? And, and Favreau emerged from that, from, from pre-Vizsla back in the day. So that's just the stars. But there's so much there for us to connect to. I'm so curious about Moff Gideon's involvement in that. This is why I'm less worried. I think there are going to be some details that might quote unquote connect these stories to other parts of Star Wars but I, th- I really don't think it's about that I think it's about Moff Gideon and his relationship with Mandalore and the Mandalorian people so we can all pull things from it as we relate to the central idea and theme yeah and and, and who knows uh, this is definitely one of those time travel things where hey maybe I'll be proven wrong by the time this episode is released I, I'm continuing to be really interested in Moff Gideon yeah. as the sort of big bad of this season of of Mandalorian, be, the, the Mandalorian, because he means so much to the Mandalorians. He has a perspective that is similar to the Mandalorians of um, might makes right, and it is personal. Mm-hmm. He wants to prove that he put them under his boot once, and they're not allowed to come out because he is smarter, better, all those things. He's got to have wounded pride about having his dark saber taken away by Din, and he's savvy enough to know Ah, uh, I can poke. He, he does at, at the final episode of, of season two. He, he's the one who gives us some of the dark saber information about like, she needs to take it from you, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So imagine Moff Gideon coming sweeping into dinosaur river, not only <laughs> guns blazing, but also emotional manipulation blazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, saying, look at your, I gave you all these years to rebuild and you're still shattered. You're still so weak. You all that armor and you can't come together to defeat me. You know, yeah. that that's an, a, an emotional perspective too. And a, a great way to talk about Mandalorian's relationship is their strength. Like Satine argued in ability to defend themselves or mm. is their strength only defined by going out and attacking? Right? Do they have to conquer? Uh, it's one thing to defend themselves from off Gideon. Do they have to avenge themselves upon him? You know, this mm-hmm. gets into these ideas of what is a Mandalorian. Uh, when Grogu looks up, I, I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> Din mm-hmm. needs needs Grogu to see a Mandalorian as salvation, not death. Right, and that is running through everything as well. What is a Mandalorian, and are they about violence or are they about being uh, saviors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah de- death or salvation is a big uh you said that on on the last mandolin report we recorded uh prior to this uh this week's episode and uh, that's one of my favorite things just death or salvation yeah. what, what you gonna be <laughs> when the kid looks up like oh i'm saved or oh boy <laughs> <laughs> And we have a, a question about kids and mandalorians coming yeah. up in our second half any other thoughts on this one uh, before we move on no, no, I, Justin, I really appreciate the question and, and hopefully, I don't know if we answered it or not, but we, we, I just really want to talk about this. And Joseph, I love hearing your insights on it here. I, I, this has been going on for the last week or so. Not It, it gets personal fast. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just of like, hey, I don't know, season three Mando isn't my favorite. That's obviously a very a fair assessment if that's your, your uh, journey to it. It's also not done. And I think we preach, Hey, keep going. I have had this conversation a few times now on and off air, but it's like, I, I'm rewatching rebels season three. I'm two episodes in. If I stopped there, Ezra's going bad, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what are they doing to Ezra? They've turned this kid bad. I, I do preach. Hey, you know, follow it to the end here, but I, there's some, 
very personal. I'm seeing a lot of personal reactions out there, which is uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. And we react to these stories in such a, a personal way. So not here to take anyone, um, anyone's, uh, you know, interactions away. And I, I know you aren't as well, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big Star Wars talking point right now. What's going on in Mando season three? Yeah, absolutely. And I think my final statement would be to say, I, I do think the the movement of the plot of season three is is different from a lot of the kind of storytelling that you will see. So if you aren't engaging with that or, or frustrated by it, totally, uh, to me, understandable. Mm-hmm. I think what you and I are, are both um, a little obsessed with is there's so much more than just the forward movement of the plot. Mm-hmm. There's the, the meaning behind every every uh, character's choices, every character's ideas, what what they're clinging to, what they're uh, trying to move past. There's uh, so many other, uh, there's so much, there's so much that is going on that uh, I think it is worth having the patience to see where, where the plot goes. A hundred percent. One uh, final, sorry, final, you get a final, you get a final rebuttal. If I get a rebuttal, no, uh, uh, add on, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know this, um, the, 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 I, you know what? I even lost my train of thought. So you know what, Joseph? I, 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 I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't going to be, be profound. I lost it. Well, if you if you think of it later, we'll, we can stop in the middle of another question. Uh, we're going to move on then to this question from Duger13. Uh, Duger asks, is there any way Grogu could actually be Yoda from 850 years ago and brought through the world between world's gates by someone? Uh, this is a very fun, uh, nice, twisty uh, exercise for our minds on this uh, Monday afternoon. Ken, where do you go with this? Well, I'll tell you what. I just remembered what I was going to say, and I can tie it into this. Uh, if season three was exactly what we might have predicted going in, it's Mando going to take a bath. There would be a lot of discussions of, uh, not again, the show's just lathered at rinse repeat. Um, some of it would be good faith, some of it would be bad, right? You'd just be like, here we go again. Uh, he's on a mission. Cause, and we, would, we didn't say it cynically, but it's like, all right, he's going to go get IG-11's memory parts. He's going to go, that's one mission. And then by this ends episode eight at, at, at the, the Minds of Mandalore. And, and it blew past that right away. And I think it's wide open. I love that. So Duger's question would really blow past that. And it would be something completely <laughs> wild. And I'm almost there for it, even though my answer is no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, to, to, to go back to the, the, is he just taking in a bath the entire season? Yes. If he needs to get the memory chip, chip now he needs to get, you know, some uh, dousing rods, <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever it is he needs, some, some special soap. I, I know you said lather, <laughs> rinse, repeat in terms of uh, metaphorically, maybe he needs to take two baths, literally. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. If, if it had been, here's just a step here's just a step there would have been concern of repetition and even if maybe by when all is said and done with season three that some of the forward movement of the plot maybe even feels a little clunky to me it's worth it for uh evolving trying something new expanding the palette of what the show is about yeah all right Pelly said i need to get a towel and you'd have a towel for the mind to wear a but you need a Funko Pop. All right, I'll get you the Funko Pop for the towel. Uh, all right, all right, back to Grogu time travel. I love the the this idea of like um, there's so much in this very short question of exactly how the world between worlds functions, the actual time travel of who takes Yoda when, but all of it seems to boil down to what if he actually was Baby Yoda? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And Bob Iker can go see. I told you I was I was right when I said that. 
Yeah, nobody was slipping up. They had it right. Imagine having to go back after years after we had the those those of us who were all in on Star Wars had those conversations of like hey, we understand why we're calling him, everybody's calling him Baby Yoda, but you know he's not Baby Yoda. And then have to come back years later and go. Turns out it's very complicated, but he is Baby Yoda. That would yeah. be difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a fun what if to you? Is there uh, what part of this idea is exciting? What part of this is challenging? Where do you go? Uh, it's, it's a, what if indeed, uh, Duger, it's a big one. Uh, so again, my, my quick answer is, uh, to this question. No, there you go. <laughs> uh, but then again, Hey, with Dave, sure. You're right. I think he hasn't forgotten about the world between worlds. He hasn't forgotten about Mortis and the father, the son and the daughter. He has not. Purgles. We, we, he hasn't forgotten about even the Purgles, the space was. So yeah, I think some of that stuff could be a play, maybe some of the point in the Star Wars story. Um, I'll start with the pro of what this idea, I, I, the logistics of it, I'm not quite sure. I'm with you uh, on that, Joseph, too, like uh, how that happened. But let's just say it was truly Baby Yoda. And maybe we would get to, as Star Wars fans, learn, we'll get to learn so much of what made Yoda. Maybe we'd understand some things, um, new perspectives on him. I don't necessarily need the uh, check mark. Uh, hey, here's the planet he's from. Uh, that, I'm not even meaning that kind of stuff, but maybe we'd uh, get a little more insight into him. So we'll know the moment Grogo says his, his first words, which I swear is coming every day because mm-hmm. every character's talking about it now. Uh, maybe in episode five, that's <laughs> maybe, maybe you and I are recording an episode after chapter five, the words. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, and he comes out and says, uh, you know, first words say I, and we'd be like, oh, it's Yoda. Um, that'd be the, the pro. But then um, I just think there's great purpose and power in Grogu's search for his true place in the galaxy. And it's so much about his own choices, his own experiences and how they fuel his steps forwards, especially right now with what we got going on as he is, you're correct to say, being pushed forward a little bit by Din. Like, Hey, can't just sit here and play with the rocks, even though we know they were, they were crabs. Uh, you got to step forward and show them what you are, show them who you are, be proud of who you are. And what is that? That, that, that's, it's such a Grogu journey that, that could mm-hmm. be great for Yoda, but I go, I go to the, I'd rather learn about Grogu. Yeah, and in 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 face your your trauma uh, is is yeah. so powerful, and then you know what they were able to accomplish with the amount of pain <laughs> on poor Grogu's face. Like I gotta remember this. All right, all right. Um, yeah, I think for me a a part of the power of Grogu is that design could have been anything. That could have been an alien we've never seen before, right? Um, yeah. But the relationship to Yoda that seeing seeing the creature right away evokes the possibility of of uh, Grogu being force sensitive you know way back in 2019 that was a conversation between <laughs> you know the first two episodes of it, it, are all beings force sensitive um mm-hmm. but as the story has so so I think Grogu being the same species of Yoda and Yaddle carries with it this sort of this mystery mm-hmm. this intrigue uh this otherworldliness of Star Wars but I think a, a great thing they've developed is that obviously the the people who meet Grogu can't help but be affected by his mm-hmm. connection to Yoda, the way Ahsoka reacts to him, the way Luke wants yeah. to tell him about Yoda. And I think there's a real contrast of like, we, the audience know that in theory, Grogu is capable of becoming an incredibly powerful and wise master, mm-hmm. right? living for hundreds of years and, and mm-hmm. making a difference in society. Mm-hmm. And in that gives this extra stakes of like this, this, can this poor 
traumatized creature find happiness or will the Grogu's fear of loss lead him down a path that we don't want him to go? And having Yoda is this sort of like, here's where you're at. Here's where we're shooting for. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> will we end up there, kid? I think is the, the power of the connection between them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That Luke stuff too. If, uh, the, uh, the fun question from Duker, by the way, I always want to make oh, sure yeah. I say that, but yeah, it would be, um, that's a great moment of, uh, let me tell you about uh, this Yoda I know. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it would read a lot different if, if Grogu was like, oh, you mean me? My name's Yoda Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> Grogu, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I I am, so, so there's that whole, what is the connection between Grogu and in, in Yoda part of Duger's question? But then there's also the, the world between worlds. And I do think that will be re- revisited. I do think that will come into play or other places like it or even even a mm-hmm. an acknowledgement of it I, I think that there is continuing fan discussion extremely strong opinions about the nature of world between worlds i think that's the power of that episode is some things are clearly defined other things are are open for interpretation for me the the power of the world between worlds is functionally one could argue it is in theory a time travel device right Mm -hmm. could Ezra have physically could Ezra have made the choice to not pull Ahsoka away but instead step into that world uh Mm -hmm. step onto uh uh, that planet and block Vader's blade then like yeah maybe maybe that's Ezra literally traveling back in his own time and you could kind of look at it as a time travel device you know yeah 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 um the way it's used in the morality of it to me is that's always what happened to ahsoka it's not changing anything it's always mm-hmm. what happened whereas the possibility of saving quote-unquote saving canaan is this this test of the responsibility of right. power and this test of of love uh, of of respect that that you know Ahsoka tells Ezra you know Kanan chose to help where he is most needed this is what he wanted mm. you'd be doing this for yourself not for Kanan um and so I feel like everything that's going on with the world between worlds is, is much more about those ideas of if anything is possible through the force at some point nature or ancient force wielders opened these portals to other times, other places that maybe even respond to the person walking through them. And our hero's role is to wrestle with the responsibility of that power. And Palpatine's role is cool. (laughs) I can make everything the way I can control, not just uh, space, but time too. I can rewrite everything as unnaturally as I want. And and so to me, it becomes really, it's about, responsibility of power yeah and that's why i just love that world between worlds episode for all the, a lot of things to talk about it it's it's trippy stuff that that it, i got it most of them i don't really go for it not just star wars but anything i just sometimes i just like i don't like multiverses i don't i i love back to the future but even i get confused with what the, what what happens um so i i just like straightforward stuff sometimes i love that episode uh because of all the lessons you're teaching that that canaan moment is, is really the core of it there so the, the power of the world between worlds yeah I also get the vibe, this is just total headcanon, I get the vibe that the world between worlds has not been visited in a long time. 
that maybe Yoda knows it's there. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, I guess that's the question. Maybe Yoda visited it when he was a kid and whoops, fell through and had some adventures. There you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got the vibe that, you know, J- Jedi haven't, uh, you know, um, engaged with that in a long time. Let's say, yeah, same with Mortis, right? It's it's uh, not like Jocasta yeah. was like, let me pull down the, the pamphlet of Mortis. True, true, true. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, you know, maybe even that is a part of the reason that the Mortis gods, because the Mortis gods talk about uh, sealing themselves off in this other realm of reality because they had become too powerful. So maybe that, maybe they did cook up the world between worlds. I'm like, whoops, okay, all right, we're starting to mess things up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Final thought on this question is if Grogu actually was a time traveling baby Yoda, mm. it's very confusing and it would explain Yoda's speech patterns that he, he, he's still he's time traveling as he speaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, the that, little brain jumble. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, that's a very fun question. A great, uh, a great reason to talk about Grogu, Yoda, and the world between worlds. Any final thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, no. I'm going to rewatch that episode soon, and maybe I'll have more understandings of where Yoda slipped and fell into it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now I'm just picturing the the great gif of uh, Yoda repeatedly falling off of uh, <laughs> off of Luke's legs. Off of Luke, yeah. And with that image, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment with two more cues. 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we are back with two questions from patrons on Patreon. We are going to Brian Babcock. And Brian has uh, a, a good thought starter on many things relating to the Mandalorians and to the Children of the Watch in particular. Again, this might be a time travel question for us of maybe some of this will be acknowledged by the time we release this episode. Here's what Brian has to say. Mm-hmm. Hello, Joseph and Ken. As I write this, we're a few days past season three, episode four of The Mandalorian. I debated waiting until the season was done before asking this in case the show answers it during the season. So it might be answered by the time you read this question. But what the heck? After watching that episode of Mando titled The Foundling, I started down a rabbit hole of questions to myself. Mm. I noticed that the children of the watch never use the term youngling or children, only the term foundlings. I always interpreted foundling to mean orphan children adopted by the watch. I then started to wonder if members of the children of the watch have romantic partners. If so, can they remove their helmets in front of each other like if they were to be married? Or are they just a bumpin' Beskar? If they don't marry, are they celibate like the Jedi? If that's the case, then they must uh, uh, only replenish their ranks with foundlings. Paz Vizsla refers to Ragnar as his son, but is he his biological son? Or is Paz his adopted father like Din in Grogu? I then had a dreadful thought. <laughs> what if they're not always rescuing these children? What if they're kidnapping young children to indoctrinate? What if droids didn't actually kill Din's parents? The Watch did. <laughs> so they could add Din to their ranks. We have all been wondering what their end game is, and I've been uh, feeling a slightly sinister undercurrent to the way that Din likely doesn't see because he sees the Watch as saviors who took him in and raised them as one of their own. So he assumes that's what the other members do when they bring in a new foundling. As always, we need to speculate responsibly, so I'm no means handcuffed to this idea. I was curious what your thoughts were on this. As always, thanks for reading, and may the way of the Mandalore be with you, assuming it isn't about kidnapping (laughs) <laughs> LOL. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, this is this is so great. This is not just a question. This is like a good dramatic monologue. Mm-hmm. As Brian really does take it, take us through the, the rabbit hole of questions of, well, what if this? But what if this? But what if this? So, Ken, uh, feel free to start anywhere along the rabbit hole you want to uh, from uh, what are foundlings uh, to... <laughs> Yeah. Did the children of the watch uh, conspiracy theory fake <laughs> wow. the memories of the uh, super battle droids? Yeah, that that was a monologue with a lot of twists. It was like a good play, just a lot of twists right in every corner. Um, I go to two spots initially. First of all, I I, I think they're 
is so much more to the way. I, I think there is a, a sinister undercurrent that we might yet discover, or some might be pointing at the screen going, Din, it's, there's a sinister undercurrent. I think that's what's going on. And it's, it's not just the dinosaur one. It's not just dinosaur, but even that, you know, we're learning it. Uh, we're going to learn of it and some of so learn more of it. And some of it could be potentially dark in uh, discussing chapter four. Uh, you know, uh, you, you made that wonderful point of, uh, the, the, this uh, the training the 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 way that that's what they survive on and and but it ends it's a winner lost society and it ends with Ragnar on the beach exposed uh, that to me is is a little bit of a damnation of 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 the way or at least a questioning of it uh, and and my favorite moment I laughed again <laughs> I watched it with Grace of Paz going this always happens bird <laughs> always gets our kids and runs away we don't we we and our fuel dies here oh all right anyways this is the way. Um, and also in watching that with Grace, uh, Grace turned to me during the campfire scene and said, wait, so no smooching? So uh, these are some big, valid questions, Brian, what goes on here. Um, and so, and that, that part remains clear, right? I was uh, Mando uh, season uh, one uh, with the, the prisoner. Uh, Sheehan uh, certainly intimated some hot Razor Crest nights happen, right? That's mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> at play there. Um, so I, I vote that some physical activities do take place. Omira almost almost got to Din in a way. It was a bigger, more emotional connection, but mm-hmm. she almost got him to take that mask off, which means, you know, he, he, he knows, he knew when he decided to leave, he knew what he was leaving behind. And not just talking about physical connection, but in, in a romantic uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Way. He, he knew the cost of that, but he was still going to do that there. So I think some of that is there. But again, he also has uh, been out and about a little bit more. That's where I start, Joseph, but I don't, I, I, I'll get to this uh, direct answer. Because um, I had this too, Brian, after this past week's episode. Just in terms of timeline, it was, it was more of an off-air conversation with myself. Of all right, mm-hmm. when, when did when did they find Ragnar? At the beginning of beginning of the season, we we see Ragnar. When did they find him? They were on the run. We just saw the armor and pause for a while. Then they were in hiding. Right, uh, plenty of time to find some kids, but it's not like we saw with Din. They're not engaging in these battles and pulling orphans out. So yeah, there's some. I think it's okay to to question it. And also going back to Paz's comments with the bird. How many are they losing? <laughs> a couple of helmets in that uh, nest. There is indeed. Yes, there is. Uh, currently choose to believe that the rescue of Din was of, of, I'll put quotations, pure intentions by a group called Death Watch uh, to help color his perspective uh, on Grogu. And I'm just talking about the thematics of it all and his connection to him. It's more powerful to me if that is part of the actual identity of them we, we 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 take in people we found you know we, we 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 make them our own we we are protectors we're not we're not death we're salvation I, um um you know i i just i just like that a kind of approach um he i just think he 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 he, he, he by now at this point in his life even though um din comes off a little din sometimes meaning Damn, I, sh- I mean, I should say, you know, um, there's a little bit of like, what are Jedi? Uh, he's for someone so worldly, he's not worldly. I think even by now, he might have learned of the nefarious intentions, right? And seen it a little differently, but maybe that's just me. No, um, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 yeah so it is. I, I, that's kind of where I go with it. I, I, I do believe um, it's not as nef- dark and nefarious as Brian's wondering. Yeah, I think I think yeah, starting starting at the bottom of the rabbit hole and, and, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I did I go I think I went to a rabbit hole too. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that that's what's great about this. There's there are multiple perspectives or multiple questions that are all tied together. But I, I think we're in, in general agreement going going down to the way bottom 
of the mm-hmm. rabbit hole. I don't think anything is uh, is fishy with uh, with Din's memories um, or mm-hmm. or Din's you know backstory. I think you know the the fear of the droids, the being trapped in a in a war and, and slaughtered for you know what what Nemodian scientist is in the background <laughs> wanting whatever village that is, whatever to test whatever weapon. You know, like we can go to Clone Wars to imagine the kind of hell that he's going through. And I just think it's so important to Din's story that, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the Death Watch. Um, watch the Clone Wars episodes fairly unambiguously, uh, do some really, really awful, violent things. Mm-hmm. We don't know the full connection between Death Watch and Children of the Watch yet, but going on the assumption that they're connected, I think it's just so important to Din's perspective that that's what he experienced. He experienced total loss he expected well he did see that door open and he saw death in Mm -hmm. the form of that droid and then what saved him was a mandalorian and so he can't bear when grogu looks up and sees him for him to see anything but a savior everything that din has said and he said more lately Mm -hmm. about his personal valuing of the creed he he to me he's clearly taught and he follows the way and he tries to understand the way but the part of it that matters to him is all about protecting and staying together in the earliest season or earliest episodes he really wants to make sure the foundlings get their fair share of mm-hmm. the beskar right um he, he in the book of boba fett episode where the armor is telling him important history from her perspective uh he's really focused on how the creed is about uh you know loyalty in unity uh, he tells Bo-Katan in, in this season that, um, but the, the creed is what keeps Mandalorians safe. I think he's so focused on what it is to be a Mandalorian is all these things, but they're all in the service of protecting the young and the community and the family. And I think he's so committed to his belief of that, that he's got blinders on about everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think he's set up really well for that to be challenged. If in his mind th- this society is all about doing right by foundlings, and what if they start to push Grogu to something that he doesn't agree with? Um, mm-hmm. That's a larger conversation. But anyway, that, that's why it's really important to me in, in that he has a, a reason to see this positive part of the society because that's his ex- lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, go, going, going one up the rabbit hole. I don't, I don't, I don't see anything in the text currently that supports kidnapping um particularly since the armor tasked in with returning grogu to his people right that yeah. it's like if you find a uh, a young person in danger abandoned alone you have a duty to protect them either you return them to their people or if they you know want to walk the way then that then that's the way yeah um so that that's would seem to me like mm, but that kidnapping isn't the the regular <laughs> yeah. order of business, right? First of all, yeah, no, on that I, I actually really agree. You know, she when he didn't return and go got one, you know, it wasn't that vibe at all. <laughs> at all. Yeah, and um, yeah, we, we could talk about the Children of the Watch because it's floating around in such a a, a big conversation about yeah. their overall nature. Um, but want to make sure that we respond to Brian's. Uh, rabbit hole questions going up the rabbit hole one uh, yeah i think the creed is pretty clearly helmets don't get taken off and yeah there's a pretty clear implication that uh jian uh and din 
had some uh, helmet on, but other stuff off time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So then, then that leads up to the beginning of the rabbit hole, right? Of yeah. uh, foundling clearly is their term. And I think foundling could mean orphan, or I think it could just mean a young person under Mandalorian care, whether they're uh, mm -hmm. biological or, you know, adopted yeah. by Creed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that it, that term is so important to Children of the Watch because I think Children of the Watch believe that being Mandalorian is a creed. And I think there's some probably people who lived on Mandalore who believe that a Mandalorian is born on Mandalore of this culture, you know? Yeah. So I think there might be some disagreement. So foundling might be a, this is their way to assert it's a creed. It doesn't matter if it if Ragnar is uh, Paz Vizsla's uh, biological son or if Paz Vizsla uh, <laughs> found him two months ago on this planet. Uh, right. He has the same value. He's a foundling. Anyone can be a Mandalorian if they take the creed. Right. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's these two, you know, because that, that was going in, even, even going into the show, 2019 was, well, we had learned a lot about Mandalorian culture in canon from the Clone Wars and Prime Minister Almack and Jago Fett, uh, you know. That was the trivia answer. Django Fett was not a Mandalorian. Well, now we got even Boba Fett going nuts to that. Let me show you the Chanka. He was a yeah. foul. And, and, and so it is a, a philosophical debate, debate. And I think, you know, going back to even uh, deeper, I, I may be slipping back down the rabbit hole, Joseph. Hold oh, on. Uh, but you said something great there about, uh, you know, uh, why I view there's some, what I'm, what I'm saying is pure intentions. And I know maybe the children watch don't have completely pure intentions up and down, but uh, they believe in this creed. That it, it's what keeps them, surviving and 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 din's got this uh positive view of it because of how he experienced it it's so it's very star warsy to me to be at one point him going hey what you have that is is meant to be a strength is actually hurting us the 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 intention of your clan your 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 culture your your order if you will if you're a jedi is being lost because you're you're too rigid too tied to the dogma of it all that's such a star wars question to wrestle with Mm -hmm. to have that have din experience that 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 would be so personal be like hey you saved me and now you're not doing what's best for the next generation which is so clearly important to us let's talk mm -hmm. about it might might be the way or or maybe maybe he doesn't i don't know but and 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 i've right you know ragnar who knows when he was found is a great question because i saw some folks tossing out well you know he can he's clearly been speaking for a while why is the helmet just being put on him at the end of, at the beginning of this season I think it has less to do with, you know, it can't have to do with age and the ability to speak, but also if, if, if they just found you, you got to have time to, is this what you want? It, it, I think there's also like you are passing a level in order to take yeah. the creed. Well, it's, I think it's, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't take that as like, Oh, <laughs> uh, the child said data, <laughs> right. Slap the helmet on. Right. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. old enough to speak old enough to choose, you know? Exactly. You can get into a question of uh, are they presented with enough information about the rest of the galaxy to be making a fair choice is, is uh, I think, a, a separate conversation. I mean, for me, the Ragnar thing is fun. I, I think of the that's fun Star Wars speculation of where'd Ragnar come from? Mm -hmm. um, my thoughts are I think Star Wars has always had this great heart of found family matters and found family is just as important. Ray Skywalker is a Skywalker, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion, and, and I feel 
I feel strongly about that. And I feel strongly that we should speak with sensitivity uh, about that because there are a lot of people who are uh, alive and thriving today because of found family uh, for lots of reasons. So I always want to put the utmost respect on, on the idea of found family. So to me, there's no reason that um, positive like could not have said it is uh, passionately as he did. He's my son. Mm-hmm. If he'd known him for a year, he's his son. If they both <laughs> yeah. need and want that, you know, yep, yep. um, and he took a creed. Um, so I think it's every every possibility that that, that he is somebody that uh, Paz rescued, like mm-hmm. other people rescued Din, like Din rescued Grogu. I also think it's possible that uh, that you know whatever Ragnar's age is, that, that, that he was born on Concordia, and Paz's mom or other mm-hmm. caregivers took him somewhere else, and they're just reconnecting now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. There's something went on because I don't think all those people in all that armor are just like <laughs> people that like uh, uh, the armor and pause. Like I made a I made a joke on on social media this week because that promo picture on uh, yeah. on Disney Plus kind of looked like they were inviting you to an adult party. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, I don't think all those people like we just uh, we just we had a lot of armor left over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we found a bunch of people and they took the creed. I think they were actively going through and and, and finding other coverts and, and building back up, right? So yeah. to me, even Ragnar could have been with some other shattered piece of the Children of the Watch who'd been hiding mm-hmm. out on an entirely different planet for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there's we got enough time. I know time and timelines have been a big question about Mando, but we got a lot of time for them to rebuild in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any just fun speculation about Ragnar? Where'd he come from? <laughs> uh, I think he was part of a, a family that was uh, uh, eaten by angry dinosaur bird and he was saved once and now he's been saved twice. And he's n- kind of want to going to maybe go to college elsewhere. <laughs> Doesn't want to live this, on dinosaur island. This is not the way to live on dinosaur river. No. <laughs> uh so uh, Brian also brings up the the creepy undercurrents of the Children of the Watch, and I, I, I'm putting it to you, Ken, of whether whether we want to extend the question there, whether we want to get into that. Maybe we'll have got into it on our Mandalorian report. It's been a big talking point this week of what is the show saying about Children of the Watch? Uh, um, are they a cult? As Din says, or, or as Bo-Katan says, where is the information uh, about that? Like. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is swirling. Do you want to get into it or do you want to put a pin in that for later? I, I see uh, it, almost both because I think we might learn some more. But I, I just know at the time of our recording, it's been a hot button issue, like I said. And I don't mean that in a, a bunch of hot takes out there. Like people have been affected by what they think is the show saying, ah, the children watch are great. And I just don't think that's what's being said. I just don't think it's what's in, in the show so far, so far this season. I think there's some things to say, hey, maybe this could be good or maybe this is good. Maybe that isn't. And and, and even then that might not be something you want to relate to in real life. So I, I uh, not to ping pong back to you, but I, I, I'm happy to discuss it a little bit here. I just think more information will absolutely come out. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're still in the middle of the story. And, and my take is that we are seeing the children to watch for a lot of the Mandoverse through the eyes of Din, who is a true believer in, and we talked about, has this perspective of this is what a Mandalorian truly is. It's somebody who, who helps their own people survive. And uh, I don't want to say thrive. They live in a sewer in a dinosaur river. Uh, yeah. But I think that's Din's hope. But I think all along the way, there has been concrete things in the text that show a, um, 
morality, a rigidity, a dysfunction that, in my opinion, disagrees with uh, Star Wars morality. And, and yes. uh, I think it's also difficult because it's just getting into discussing are the children that watch good or bad show hasn't told us yet agree that mm-hmm. show hasn't made a definitive statement yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's showing us things that are asking us questions about our own morality. And I think we're all going to be dancing very close to saying like, Hey, I, the children of the watch did this bad thing. And somebody might say to you, I don't think that's bad. And real quick, we're not talking about star Wars anymore. We're talking about mm-hmm. questions of actual morality and, and what different individuals think is moral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so real. I think it has to be handled, you know, with some amount of, of sensitivity and awareness that you will very quickly not be talking about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I say on top of, of, you know, having to make sure you slow down and take other perspectives in too. That doesn't even mean that I'm acknowledging all their perspectives are ones that I agree with, but just like there's a lot, there's a lot that spirals out pretty fast from this conversation I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, I think what is interesting about them is this thing that, that didn't, clings to this absolute uh, devotion. The highest creed, as the armor says in chapter 20, is to save a foundling. It, and there's a part of me that feels like we're seeing kind of the best of what the children of the watch can be on display because we're, <laughs> we're going to see some not great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so I'll, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to this quickly um, because I think there are things in the text that are to me, not great that uh, have been raised with the children to watch. And in, in, it's been spread out over two and a half seasons with the Book of Boba Fett, so maybe everybody doesn't concentrate on it. And maybe you disagree. Uh, but here we go. Um, here, here are some things that I think are, the children to watch should be questioned on. Um, Din was raised with an, a silo of knowledge. We have seen in, in a concrete way does, that he does not know the full history of his own people. He only knows the perspective of the children of the watch. He didn't even know that there were Mandalorians who took their helmets off. Uh, The Jedi are an important part of Mandalorian history. He did not know about them. Um, So while the children of the watch seem to say, like, you can choose to take the creed, how can foundlings question the way if not allowed knowledge of other ways? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a big <laughs> warning sign for me mm-hmm. of if you're, if you're telling children you are giving them choice, you can't also entirely limit their knowledge so they don't know what else they could possibly choose. Yeah, because um, even the armor says this past episode, right? Like, you can leave anytime you want. You can, yeah, if you choose, you yeah. In, I know to check out. Right, yeah. <laughs> the Hotel Mandalorian, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that very much. Um, second point, uh, uh, the the armor we we know does not engage with Satine or Bo-Katan's attempts to evolve Mandalorian society to work together. Satine mm-hmm. specifically, concretely makes the argument that we don't always have to be at war with one another. You know, we aren't just our armor. Uh, we, we are strong without that and trying to be peaceful, trying to be strong, having the strength to say we're not getting involved in your clone war. We, in fact, are going to lead the systems that are saying uh, th- this war is pointless. We're not doing it. That's a kind of strength. The armor doesn't teach that, doesn't engage that, never even explained that perspective to Din. Uh, she blames them, the the Kree's house, for the fall of Mandalore. 
based on a prophecy saying they were weak, they caused the curse uh, prophesied in the creed. So that that's a, a moral thing for me, again, to be like, we're not engaging with any different points of view. It's not like we've analyzed it and discussed it as a society and rejected it. She's just saying they're wrong, attempting to be unified in that way, attempting pacifism, wrong, period. Not going to tell the younglings about it. Yeah, we are our armor. Yep, yep. And that, then the constant helmet, wear, helmet wearing, to me, is um, a... It, it it's an arbitrary rule, right? That breaks connection. Great. It's, it's their culture. It's their choice. That's their true face. That that's great. Um, but what we've seen in the Mandalorian is Grogu requested connection. He requested, reached out to see Din's face. Din gave his child what his child needed by taking off his helmet. Was it bad that Din chose to make that connection? Right. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you th- <laughs> well, that was the question? I thought it was rhetorical. Uh, no, absolutely not. I think that's the drive of, uh, of so much going on here. And this is why, again, I think he has hit this point of, yeah, I did this thing and, and now I'm back home and, and home ain't going to feel so right. Um, uh, you know, even if, if that mask goes on Grogu, everyone wants to see the cute little Grogu mask. <laughs> what that might actually mean. Will he go back to those moments? I, 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 just even on a practical level, like we ain't done seeing Pedro's face. I know, you know, Latif Crowder, Brendan Wayne do, do so much to make that character come alive, but you know, I, we're not done seeing those, uh, the, those, those Pedro eyes. And I, and I think that will come into factor. It will come into play and factor in. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, there's plenty of debate and discuss and Din, Din's a, a grown person who's now seen that there are options and he is mm-hmm. choosing this, but, then he also had this moment where he had true connection. And to me, the Star Wars morality is, is connection, the organic. Those things are important. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I don't think he's wrestling with that. Like, I, I, it was wrong for me to give this, this connection to my child. And he's not wrestling with the morality of that for himself uh, yet. Yeah, um, yeah and I, think, I think Bo-Katan at a campfire, eaten alone, is... is, is that's a picture of it being wrestled with overall too. Of this, this doesn't feel yeah. right. Yeah, this is this is honor to be left alone to eat. Yeah, to me, it feels like it is building towards a lack of uh, connection. Um, Star Wars usually has some strong opinions about very rigid authoritarians, right? The the Jedi work when they they have their rules, but they question their rules. They get into trouble when they get too rigid and, and refuse to question their rules, right? Um, so the armor is an example of uh, rigidity there, you know, there was no room for debate or understanding or nuance when Din removed his helmet. Uh, and the only path redemption was a rigid one that was most likely impossible. Right. Mm -hmm. So if the armor is a mother to Din, then she represents an extremely conditional kind of love, right? There's no discussion of holy why did you take that helmet off? I mean, she does seem to know, so maybe there was more discussion that we didn't see, but to me, that's a very, a very rigid, conditional love. 100%. 100%. Final thing uh, for me on my, my list of <laughs> uh, children that watch dubious things is it's totally undefined yet in the show. They clearly have some connection to the Death Watch. We know that Din was rescued by members of Death Watch. Um, the literal word 
Watch is in the title of both groups. Uh, we know now that the children of Watch were, were based on Concordia. Maybe the horns on the armor's helmet have some connection to Maul uh, in, mm-hmm. in Maul loyal. Uh, I know people have you know their theories about exactly who the armor is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's perfectly fair to say we don't know the exact connection between the children of Watch and Death Watch, but the Death Watch was a murderous cult <laughs> yeah. who believed might makes right including terrorizing random villagers because they can political assassination, citing multiple times with actual Sith Lords to terrorize the population of Mandalore, AKA their own people while lying to them in the most dishonorable way imaginable. The death watch, I'll, I'll, I'll go way out here on this limb. The death watch bad, right? (laughs) So a huge remaining question to say, what is the, the connection between the two? Yeah, to the point of, uh, you know, again, four episodes in, we'll see what the fifth brings, but I, where I, I'm dying to have the armor and Bo-Katan, not just get into it, but get into names, not just who, who the armor, but get into Satine, get into Prime Minister Olmec, get into Pre Vizsla, you know, turn to pass. Hey, your family member, I, I know him, I know you, uh, uh, you know, uh, and and that's why the Bo-Katan stuff is so interesting to me of of, of uh, there's no way she, to me, that's going to end up perfectly aligned. You can't, you can't. She saw the destruction. She was part of the destruction. She's to blame for some of it, for that side of it, not for what the armor is saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I really agree with that. Um, and I really want just like, yes, there are direct connections to relatives, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and you know, it is unclear it, to me. It seems like the children watch have gone back to an even older and more rigid you know, set of, of rules than even Death Watch did. Death Watch more seemed like we're going to follow the ones we want and the rest of the time we're going to party, <laughs> do whatever yeah. the hell we want, you know? Yeah, but but, um, but both, both are really tied to, uh, you know, I know this is real world bumper sticker stuff, but Death Watch, Children Watch really like some good old fashioned traditional values that uh, work for us. So we're going to keep them. We're going to hold on to them. And, and there's a lot of that undercurrent going on with it. Yep. And, and, you seems like, you know, uh, unless we haven't learned that part of the creed, the part where the foundlings are allowed to uh, raise their hand and question the way we haven't heard about that yet. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, maybe it's there. Uh, so anyway, maybe the next episode of the Mandalorian will be dealing with these things. And we have foolishly <laughs> pre-recorded this discussion, but I just kept being affected by the fact that all these discussions are going on. And, and I just wanted to go back to the text and go, what is in the text? What have we seen? What have we heard? What do we know that raises these morality questions? Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love what you've done. This is a valuable list. I think there's been great conversations uh, you leading around here of, you know, the armor and Pelly would be a conversation I think we all would be, uh, you know, lucky to see. Mm-hmm. Pelly wants to move forward. Pelly's always about the next uh, the next step of the journey. Some kind of change. She might be, yeah, she might swindle a, a, a roading every now and then, but she is very <laughs> much the mother pushing Den forward. Armor's always been uh, uh, the one pulling him back. Sometimes quite literally pulling him back. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's all there. And and final thing for me on some of this, we we don't know the end of this journey, but I, I, yeah, there's always that thing you and I've discussed before too. Just because Kylo Ren says something to Ray doesn't mean the movie's saying he's right. And I do think that's some stuff at play here with even the armor. Paz Vizsla, Children of the Watch. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. done. Yet. Yeah, not done yet. And and it 
could be that they are a cult from Bo-Katan's perspective and Bo-Katan's lived experience. And it could be that, yep, they have a lot of uh, beliefs that uh, that one could look at and go, that's a solid belief. And then they have a whole other set of beliefs that are like, nah, that's, that's harmful. And mm-hmm. we don't know yet. All right, let's go on to something we do know, which is our final question from Justin Jacobson. Justin says, Bright Sins, Ken and Joseph, I recently came across trailers for a movie called Cocaine Bear and realized that the same situation of of a wild... What's that? Heard of it, yeah. Heard of it, yeah. And realized that the same situation of a wild animal ingesting a large amount of mind-altering substance could very easily happen after the fall of the Empire. The Pike Syndicate was trying to smuggle spice through and into new territories and fighting with the locals, as they did in Book of Boba Fett, what sort of weird and whimsical wildlife from the galaxy far, far away would you like to see under the influence? Spice Bantha could be a Tuscan riff on Cheech and Chong, but Spice Porgs would be an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I'd love to hear your ideas on this. Scob the Empire, and thanks for all you do. Uh, this question is a great example that we try to get to questions quickly, uh, but we generally take them as they come on Patreon. And, uh, you know, Cocaine Bears already been out and about is a movie. <laughs> sure, that came out a big hit of a movie, a uh, purposefully, uh, I believe, absurd, irreverent film uh, for the sake of that thing we, we call fun. Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, for, I want to shout out our, our pal Brian Ward, who uh, made a wonderful Spice Ewok shirt, the Spice uh, that version of Spice Bear. I uh, love that there. But here's where I go. I go to one of my all-time favorites that used to not be one of my all-time favorites, as I've said before. I uh, don't say again, I'm sure at some point, I want Spice Puffer Pigs. You imagine some kind of crazy uh, hopped up on goofballs puffer pig going at you, poof, chasing you, <laughs> bouncing around, maybe a whole uh, team of them. I don't know what they're called, a collective of puffer pigs. Maybe they're puffs. I don't know. <laughs> um, imagine that. Scary. Yeah. A hot air of puffer pigs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, oh, a bunch of them just uh, bouncing at you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrifying with their little spiky. Bits. Yeah, yeah, and, and and their eyes just kind of all like me, just all kind of mm-hmm. going out of their mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. Yeah, I was gonna mention uh, Spice Bear uh, by Brian Ward, the great image of an Ewok, and mm. that was one that got spread everywhere without credit to Brian Ward. So full credit. <laughs> I had a few friends of mine text me, "Hey, have you seen this picture?" I'm like, "No, have you seen it? I know who made it." <laughs> exactly so i you know what i cannot do any better than than spice bear it is uh to me perfection yeah. um so i was thinking about some of the other uh substances we're aware of in star wars um when uh ander was going to get uh pizos and revnog i think you and i were initially like he's getting doritos <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it turns out uh pizos is a is a a, a, a substance if you will yeah. Yeah. So uh, I would like to see a movie called Pizos Monkey Lizards. Uh, just <laughs> a horde of lightning fast uh, quacking monkey lizards on a stimulant. <laughs> just cackling as they go. Oh, yep. that's perfect. Uh, you know, yeah. I got to tell you this. I, I've always thought Salacious was uh, I don't know, a little bit into his cups at least. So, Ooh. Oh, yeah. Into his cups, yeah. So this is into into his Pizos leading an mm-hmm. army. This is if you don't like fast zombie movies, then Pizos Monkey Lizards is is not the film for you. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Then the other one I thought of is yeah the the ultimate Attack of the Clones movie. Uh, this would be a film called Death Shack. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be the butt cows from Naboo uh, on death sticks. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> rampaging around uh, seeing colors uh, in you get to see on the screen every once in a while the perspective of the shacks, <laughs> mm. all the strange colors. Mm. Uh, it, it's an attack the clones, you know, tribute to put together death sticks and, and butt cows. Uh, but it also seems like a Han Solo misadventure is like, oh, it's carrying two loads and they, I got them mixed up together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Which, yeah, yeah. Box A, box B. And, he, and yeah, this is his first mission to King Prana. I want it to be older, Han. <laughs> yep. Ah, geez. Oh, the shacks got into the death sticks. Uh, any other thoughts on this one? No, other than, well, that leads to Rathars, and then a spiced up Rathar might be a bigger problem, but maybe that's what Han, Han is dealing with. Oh, yeah. No, one does not want that. The Rathars are bad enough all by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on a natural high, <laughs> the Rathars. Right. right. And very scary for it. Thank you, Justin, for the fun question. We're going to move on to our Power of the Light Side segment. Uh, this is something that we put out to patrons on Patreon to just share something joyful, a good experience. Even if you have a, a dark experience and come out into the light, we get a lot of great stories like that. So if you're a patron, uh, scroll down the post page, look for the picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi smiling at the Skywalker twins on the Death Star, and you can uh, submit your power of the light side segment. This one today comes to us from Jay from nowhere. Jay says, my power of the light side is about something near and dear to many of us here, toys and their meaning. Finding a figure in store is so much more fun than placing an order online. The scarcity, the timing, the luck, it all makes for a better experience and connection to that purchase makes for a better story too. I was home from work on January 6th, 2021 when yeah, that happened. I was in a bad state mentally and told my work from home partner that I just needed to get out of the house and clear my head for a bit. Went to a Target and somberly browsed the toy aisles. A new case of Black Series must have been opened as there were two of each fig from that wave on the shelves, including the one I desperately wanted, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes, I get the irony of buying an Imperial fascist on that day of all days, says Jay. It was a figure I couldn't find online sans price gouging, and I had accepted not getting it until stumbling upon it in the wild that afternoon. Like most items in my various collections, I can recall the circumstances around the various acquisitions, and that's doubly true for my Thrawn. But when I look at that figure, I don't see the evil it represents, nor even the real-world headache that surrounded its purchase. I see hope in the face of tyranny, joy in the depths of tragedy, and light peeking out from the darkness." From talking Star Wars to collecting toys to fighting real-world evils, always remember, there are more of us. Thanks, friends, and may the Force be with you. Thank you, Jay. This one is, of course, close to my heart. I love the collecting, and I love the stories of the collecting. Ken, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I love Jay's tale here. On, on, a, on a day of heartache, you, you get this, uh, this, this token of uh, joy, the symbol of... of of your own personal happiness, uh, and that's that's where a lot of things start. A lot of change starts within you. So uh, I I don't I think it's a small feat. I get it. And yeah, we've talked about Thrawn here, and Thrawn does some things I uh, I question, but he also has a strong connection to his people and, and does a lot uh, for that. So there's a lot of a lot of things to pull out of Thrawn if you want. And, and clearly, Jay from nowhere is uh, maybe Jay from the Chiss ascendancy here, and and, and I feel the, <laughs> I feel the connection. And uh, it is truly just a joy. Yeah, I, I don't collect as much as I as I used to, of course, but I I check every time, every <laughs> time, because you just don't know what you're gonna find. 
Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I have to run some errands and I haven't been to a Target in a while. I'm so excited. There's been so many new things released and I haven't been out and about. So I kind of don't know what the state of the toy aisle is. And I, I can't wait to, to go out. And and I, I agree uh, with Jay that I, I get a little bit more from experience of finding them out in uh, in the world. But what, it, what I've really done, and it, and it sometimes gets to the point of absurdity is, you know, if there's a, if there's a figure that I'm really afraid is, going to be super hard to find and become expensive on ebay and amazon like i, I pre-order more than i used to uh, but i let them pile up in boxes <laughs> in my home and i wait for a moment that i'll remember um mm. so that i have that memory associated with figures so some of my figures i looked at i was like yep i opened that when i uh finished that script or i opened that when i sent uh <laughs> that film uh, off to submit to a film festival. Mm -hmm. And I like uh, going through that ritual to really give even more personal meaning uh, to these wonderful uh, toys and our connections to Star Wars. Love that. Love it. All right, Ken. Uh, where can people find us? Hey, folks, if you want to find us, we're on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Hive Social, too, if you're out there as well on that. I'm not as active on that, but we're there. And uh, also, don't forget, we are on YouTube. You can subscribe over there. Hit the notification bells. Uh, at the time of this recording, again, we keep saying that. It was done earlier. Uh, the fine folks at Star Wars Explained, that's Alex Damon and Molly Damon, uh, did a shout out to us. And we had an uh, influx of new subscribers. So, hey, welcome to the Force Center family. Uh, we are also on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Just search. You'll find us. We actually had a YouTube comment last week because someone's saying, hey, love your stuff. Are you ever going to review Mando Seasons 1 and 2? And I realized <laughs> they only listen to us on YouTube. Yes, all that stuff is there. Go into our archives. Uh, coming up on 1,400 episodes there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly and get access to Indiana Jones and the Powerless Podcast. You can follow me at Catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. But pretty soon I'll see some of you in london joseph where can they find and follow you yeah you can find me online uh, all the social media twitter instagram mastodon uh tiktok at joseph scrimshaw and you can go to my uh, youtube page search for joseph scrimshaw to check out some comedy films some short films uh some of my not unboxing videos where i celebrate my love of star wars and other action figures but for now for myself for ken for Ragnar, I really hope he escapes all the dinosaurs. This has been Cues of the Force. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.